Hello there, Blockheads, and welcome back to the New Blocks, episode 17. Today, we're talking about security. This episode's going to be lean, it's going to be mean, and we're going to hit you with all the best tips to try and keep your crypto safe. Some of this is going to be a rehash from that custody episode we did. What was that, Kevin? Episode six, seven, six. something like that. Six. And uh, yep. maybe we're going to talk a little bit about uh, you know some other related stuff you've heard before, but hopefully condensed and for some nice digestible takeaways because uh, this stuff is important. Se- important uh, security first and foremost. But uh, Kevin, first up here, how are you? Welcome back. You're fresh home from vacation, looking tan, looking fit. How was it, my friend? Are you rested? Had a, yeah, absolutely. Had a great time. Laid out on the beach for a few days. Uh, was feeling pretty toasted by the end of it. Um, and it's good to be back. It's been, I think, a couple of weeks now since we've done an episode. So I'm always, uh, I'm always jonesing to talk about crypto. Yeah. Before we jump straight into security, let's talk about a tangentially related topic in the news, uh, which was that USDC, uh, the the major stable coin that's backed by Circle, a company that's owned by Coinbase or partnered with Coinbase, uh, they just removed a section uh, that the that said that their stable coin was backed by U.S. dollars. So they removed it from the website, um, and that was in response to a report that had come out. Um, uh, not not an audit because I think there's some like legal implications around what they can call an audit, but. Uh, they had some company that kind of like looked at their books and looked at how it was like 61% uh, backed by cash, 13% backed by Yankee CDs, which we just had to go look up. <laughs> what are they again? Yeah, I, it's basically a regular CD um, where you put money in and you get a slightly higher interest rate where you can't touch it because it's locked up for X period. It's like a shorter one. Usually it's less than a year and it's done by international banks and then it gets issued in the United States where they're trying to collect money from internet or from United States investors, but it's like by definition from companies that are foreign to the United States. So kind of an odd concept. I've truly never heard of that before, but go yeah. USDC, I guess. I guess so. Yeah. So it's it, we talked a bit about this in episode 13, where we talked about stable coins and it, as a centralized uh, custodial stable coin, this is kind of par for the course. I mean, Tether was the, the, the more egregious older brother of this concept. But I mean, ultimately, uh, you know, bankers are going to bank. And you have to remember that even though a cryptocurrency uh is exists it's in DeFi. not all cryptocurrencies and stable coins are created equally and uh in yeah. certain ones you're putting trust in certain people and in other ones you aren't so well it, it anyway. makes sense from like you said bankers are gonna bank i i get it but it's a little scary that we're seeing this pattern now right usdt yeah. tether and usdc this circle coin um, they, they represent a, a pretty substantial amount of volume and money. And it's alarming to me that they can basically break that promise at will. They can get our trust and money at the beginning by saying, oh, dude, come on, one-to-one. You give me a dollar, I keep a dollar, I give you the coin, we're right there. And how quickly that's like, hey, we got a billion of these things now. Hey, we got like four billion of these things now. Do we really need to keep four billion dollars? And of course, the answer is no. And then there's no accountability. They just delete that line from the terms of service and we all go what the fuck and they don't say anything and play the corporate game and then that's it we just accept it and move on and 
they just continue racking up more market volume and all that stuff. So I don't know where I'm going with this, Kevin, but it alarms me. I, stable coins like that have always alarmed me, where it feels like it's yeah. it's kind of printing money. And you know, regulations are tricky. I'm for I'm for regulations in concept. I'm against bad regulations. I think stable coins are one thing that really need to be regulated. This shit scares me a 100%. lot. I, I repeat, yeah. I, I, I worry for the day we have the tether incident. I really, truly do. Same. Yeah, I think uh, the the conversation about regulation is one that I look forward to having. There's a lot in the news right now about it. Um, but yes, 100%. Regulation as a concept is is super important for crypto. And it is stuff like USDC and Tether that needs to have the same uh, standards that we have to traditional banks, right? Like a, a traditional bank has uh, the, the, the formula that, that is mandated for them where they need to have X amount of money in the bank. Um, and that like that they're allowed to do fractional reserve banking up to X degree. Mm -hmm. Uh, this doesn't really exist yet in crypto land and it's, it is very important and we need stuff like yeah. that. In the meantime, I'm happy hanging out with, um, you know, a bit more decentralized coins. Uh, a DAI is there, but also DAI is backed uh, by a pretty large portion by USDC. So um, <laughs> I think the crypto communities is looking toward things like Rye uh, to maybe kind of step in here and become uh, wow. where maybe a, a direction for the industry. But yeah, you know, I say wow, because Rye has been around for a while now, right? If I'm not mistaken, it, it, the, the reflexer one, not too long. I mean, less than a year, less than a year. Okay. Uh, no, and I'm confusing it with something else. Never mind. Redact. Yeah. Rye records. was the one that, that from the stable coins episode, that's like, it's, it's, it's kind of stable, but like not pegged to the dollar, bro. It was like, Oh, right. <laughs> it's like, the, yeah, yeah. We're kind of stable. Yeah. It's fuzzy. It's fuzzy. I like that. Yes. Um, yes. But all right. Anyway. Yes. Let's let's get into to security. Absolutely. Um, and, and today we, we have a couple of big topics that we want to tackle. And we'll kind of break these down one by one. First up, Kevin, hardware wallets, software wallets. A couple key things. Very first starting points. We got to reiterate and get out of the way. Yes. And so when I am introducing people to the crypto world, I want them to think about their own use case. And when it comes to determining what type of wallet that you want to set up, it, your use case matters. The amount of money that you plan to hold in a given wallet matters in the decision that you make to uh, you know, go out and purchase a hardware wallet, maybe just stick to a software wallet at first. Um, but in general, like knowing the difference in the, the actual back end, the way that both of these sort of like handle your, your, your private keys differently is really important. Mm -hmm. So the, the main differentiator between a hardware wallet and a software wallet, um, is the, the actual like location of the the device where your private key is stored. And as a quick reminder from the custody episode, the the private key is the source of truth. It is the the single, like whatever it is, uh, long string of characters, I forget how many, um, that if you give that to someone, they have the ability to go interact with and use your wallet as if it was their own. It, so it, it is like the back door. It's the front door. Yes. It, it's all of the doors. It's, it's, it's everything. It is the master key. It is root access. It is, yeah. it, it is all of it. So that is the thing that you have to keep completely safe, as secure as possible. 
uh, ultimate security, right? It means if you have it, you can always get access to your stuff, but it cuts both ways. If someone else has it, they also have access to your stuff, and then it won't be your stuff for very long. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so the difference between a hardware wallet and a software wallet is the location where that private key is stored. So when you have a hardware wallet, like a, a Trezor here, um, you the actual private key is stored only on this device and it never this device the only input to the device is this little usb port here this little usb port here has a specific interface that only allows for like this uh data to go one way uh it doesn't have internet access uh, and therefore like the surface area a lot of times in the security world that we talk about like uh like the attack vectors or like the surface area of attack yep. the surface area on a hardware wallet is much much uh smaller than on a software wallet because you don't have to worry about you know getting a, a virus from the internet you don't have to worry about all of these other things you need the physical device and you need the the data to flow from the device to whatever it is that you're actually well, using to and actually an addendum yeah, to that a key thing that i learned is when you use the trezor and you do a transaction it has a screen on it and it says how much you're sending who you're sending yeah. it to and it gives you some of that basic information this is really important because sometimes things on the computer can be spoofed like on a web browser or there's like a, a malicious piece of code that is a, a copy paste script where if it sees you're copy pasting anything that looks like a, a bitcoin or ethereum address it swaps it out so you look good you paste it somewhere you don't double check it it and it goes to them instead. Now, sometimes those interfaces can be spoofed or incorrect. What you see on that Trezor, that's what the device is signing. That that can't really be spoofed, right? So that's like you're, you have a redundancy there where you're looking at your screen, you're looking at your Trezor, all the data points match up, everything looks good, you feel pretty safe. Um, that's an, another layer that the hardware wallet provides you to have that ability to double check when you have to click through those transactions. Yep, exactly. So the alternative to a hardware wallet is a software wallet, and a software wallet can come in many different forms. Um, the one that we're going to go into very shortly is called MetaMask. Um, and Heard of it? it. Is a yes, hopefully. Uh, if you've listened to many episodes, I think we've talked about it. The uh, cool thing about MetaMask is that it is supported by all browsers uh, and it works on all operating systems. There's a mobile app for Android and iOS. And uh, the way when you're setting up MetaMask, uh, it will store your private key in memory on the device that you're that you're using. Um, and maybe this is a good time to to start to go through that demo. All right. Um, while you're pulling that up, the the one thing I would say here uh, is if you own enough crypto, or you know maybe plan to own enough crypto within the next year, um, where if you you would be sad and you would cry if it were to disappear in some Chrome extension hack. Mm -hmm. It's worth getting a hardware wallet. It's one of those things that like, they're not super expensive. I, I think the cheapest ones are a little over a hundred. I think there's like the ledger, uh, mm -hmm. some ledgers that are cheaper, but it, it's, it's one of those things that like, 
you know, it's worth it for that peace of mind up front, and then you don't have to worry about it yep. every time that you're interacting with your computer. Yeah, and MetaMask is is really convenient, and it was one of my first on-ramps into crypto because you can just set up a wallet, you have your seed or your seed phrase, and MetaMask kind of handles it for you, stores it for you, and there's a convenience element there that's really great, but... Um, and that's fun, you know. If you're gonna go mess around with 50 bucks and you want to buy some really cheap NFT or just play around with, um, you know, DeFi protocol, that's totally fine for learning. But if you want to make an investment, right? If you want to put thousands of dollars into a, a protocol or something, you, you might want to consider having that peace of mind where you know um, the hardware wallet's a little safer. But yeah, so if we jump back over here, this is a, a fresh install on the browser of what it looks like when you set up MetaMask for the first time. Uh, and this is where you have the option. Import wallet would be if you had a, a phrase already. Like let's say you set up a MetaMask account and um, you format your computer, you do a fresh reinstall, um, you would take that, that secret recovery phrase, upload it, and there you go. That gives you that access here. But first timers, you create a new wallet and you get this pop-up screen, help us improve MetaMask. Um, you can agree. They're pretty trustworthy, in my opinion. Set up a password here. Now, this is the password that will give you access through the plugin on the browser, right? So this is going to be your password to log in um, to get access to the account specific to this device, not specific to your address on the blockchain. Correct, Kevin? That's a, that's a key thing to understand. This is that's device correct. specific. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, I, a seed phrase or a secret recovery phrase is not a password. MetaMask right now is asking you to add an additional password on top of your your secret recovery phrase. So, so this is you can think of it like you would any other like if someone were to walk up to my computer, I don't want them to be able to interact with my crypto. Right. So we set up our password, uh, Kevin123. Hopefully that's not a password that you've been using, Kevin. Sorry if it is. Since I was born. <laughs> uh, this <laughs> short video pops up that shows you about how to uh, recover your phrase and how to keep it safe. Um, I don't think we're going to watch it here. but um, So this is where we get to the really exciting part. And it basically explains what we're going to explain right now. This is your secret backup phrase. It's the same thing as a seed phrase. Um, the original name was seed phrase. And it's not necessarily intuitive what that means if you don't know. So I think we've seen services now change it to this secret backup phrase. Or in Axie, we call it secret recovery phrase. Um, it all means the same thing. It's these string of words um, that allow you to prove that you have access to your account. So normally, you would never want to show these secret words to anyone. For the purposes of this demonstration, we're going to do it right here so you can see what it looks like. If you're scared, if you're doing this for the first time, we're going to walk you through it. But you would never, ever want to show these to anyone under any circumstances. So you click here, and then our words pop up. So in this case, we've got Congress, Flame, Gesture, Side, Mimic, Broken, Tent, Genre, Fold, Syrup, Helmet, Deal. So what you'd want to do is take a piece of paper, write these words down in order. Proper order is absolutely important. The order matters. Um, and there you go. Like one, Congress, two, flame, three, gesture, all the way through. Last one would be deal. And there you go. So you write, we write these down on a piece of paper. I think it's probably going to ask for them back. Is it? Is it, Kevin? And it might. Yes, yeah, it is. a lot of them do. So good thing I copied and pasted our little seed phrase here, which is not something you'd normally do either. You'd write it down on pen and paper. And to prove that you wrote it down, MetaMask makes you click it back in in order. So we've got Congress, Flame, Gesture, Side, Mimic, Mimic. 
broken tent genre and fold syrup helmet deal. And they come up in order, and it says, congratulations, you passed the test. Keep your secret recovery phrase safe. This is your responsibility. Good on you, MetaMask, for pushing that home. Uh, And it gives us some tips here. We're going to dive into these, but maybe we could just read them aloud. Um, Tips to storing it safely. Make sure you have a backup in multiple places. Never share it with anyone. Be aware of phishing scams. MetaMask will never spontaneously ask you for your secret recovery phrase. The only time you will be asked is if you're loading it in like on a fresh install, like on that very first screen that we saw. Uh, It says, if you ever need to back up your phrase again, you can find it in settings. So if you lose it, but you're still logged in uh, on your device, you can um, get it to reveal your phrase so you can get it back out if your backup gets destroyed um, and you can always contact support. So you click all done. And then there you go. We've got a MetaMask account. It tells you again, your secret recovery phrase controls everything. It says in bold, never share it with anyone. As you can see, there's a lot of redundancies here, right? MetaMask is very clearly trying to tell us how important this secret recovery phrase is. Um, And even though that was easy to set up, it does a fairly good job of making that happen. So um, there you go. Now you've got a MetaMask account. And here we'll go out of full screen, but... If you click on the drop down here up in the top, this will give you access to um, interface with different websites, different protocols. Obviously, you can, uh, I guess there's a way to deposit Ether here directly through, but once you have some, you can send it to somebody just by typing in an address and you can see your address up here. In this case, ours begins with 9C1 and ends with 5DF. And uh, there you go. You're, you're ready to rock and roll. You're ready to start your DeFi adventure. Yeah, and so it gives you the ability to then copy your address. So what you would do typically is you would go over to Coinbase or wherever you bought your crypto initially, and you would paste that address that you just received from MetaMask, uh, and you'd be able to send crypto, send Ether from Coinbase over to this new wallet that you've just set up. So Copy and paste another is your friend. Rem- I don't think I've ever yes. actually typed my wallet address. You, and, and to verify that it's Definitely. correct... You look you at don't the want to <laughs> right. You, you look at the first four characters. You look at the last four characters. If they match, you assume everything in the middle is good because the chances of you know those first four and last four matching, but the middle not matching, are extremely low. So you you know you don't have to read the whole thing every time. You just want to yeah. verify the endpoints, um, and there you go. But you do want to get in the habit of kind of double checking that stuff because um, yeah, there, there's a lot of dubious things out there. Yeah, definitely. And like, so of course, just reiterating, you never want to show seed phrases. So we can now safely say that if there's ever uh, any crypto that exists in the wallet that we have just created, it's because someone watched this episode and thought that they would be smart by entering the seed phrase and putting money in this. Uh, And then anyone else (laughs) that has seen this episode can go ahead and take that money. (laughs) So I have no intentions to put any money in here. I don't recommend that anyone else does, um, but I, maybe it's worth jumping into some more specifics because it, it was cool that they kind of gave some uh, high level best practices there. But mm-hmm. I, I think like one that may not be obvious to people is um, it, it's it's probably not a good idea to take a picture of your seed phrase um, for the same reason that you don't want to like copy paste it and write it uh, on your computer and you know your computer could be hacked when you take a picture of it that goes right up to iCloud it goes right up to Google Photos wherever your photos are automatically updated to mm-hmm. and if at any point ever in the future that gets hacked uh, and that 
image is available to any hacker they don't even necessarily have to like go image to image and like look for something that looks like a seed phrase they can write a script that looks for words in an image and like automatically just starts throwing it into a wallet to see if it's a seed phrase Mm -hmm. so as as bizarre as it sounds um pen and paper is always the way to go when you purchase a hardware wallet it will give you um yeah, it'll give you a uh, a set of acid resistant paper so that you can accidentally uh, spill chemicals on it and still be okay. Oh, come in handy. Um, but that another... hydrochloric acid I was playing with yesterday, <laughs> they, close stuff, man. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 at least you had it on that acid resistant paper. Um, but another one that that's kind of uh, maybe unintuitive for people that are into crypto and are very of the minds very much of the mindset that like banks are bad uh you could go down to a bank and get a safety deposit box and mm-hmm. have them store your seed phrase because um, again at the end of the day crypto isn't just about like screw the banks man it's it's a little more nuanced than that yeah totally uh, and another note on the like taking a picture. Also, don't paste it into any kind of a cloud storage thing and then delete it and think that it's gone forever. Cached versions of yeah. it can still exist. And I mean, so like Facebook, if you type something into that box and press enter and then you delete it, it's deleted publicly. Facebook saves that shit forever because they want as much data yeah. as possible. That's their business model. And guess what? Facebook aren't the only ones that do that. So if you paste it into iCloud, move it to another device, and then go, oh, no, I shouldn't have done that and delete it, it might be gone from what you can see, but that doesn't mean it's gone from every database that's ever existed. And maybe the chances are low that that ever gets compromised or somebody sees it. But again, we're talking about the ultimate backdoor that's to right. all of your assets. That's It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's worth being cautious and and actually going through best practices. Yeah. Um, Another one here, I mean, uh, for maybe a bit more hardcore, uh, if acid free paper isn't your style, uh, another thing that people do is uh, imprint their seed phrase on metal. Uh, There's a few different ways you can do it. There's some, uh, I think Ledger has like a little device that that they give you there's like you can go on amazon and get uh, uh the like little card size steel and, and like uh, the the cheapest thing i've found uh is going down to lowe's getting uh, a bunch of washers i'll pull them up on my camera if, for people on youtube yeah getting a bunch of washers a screw and a little lug nut on the top uh using a like $15 set of uh, stencils uh, of these little um, oh those are cool letter stamps that you can get on Amazon for super cheap and then just stamping the seed phrase one uh, word per piece of metal and then now you have this like fire resistant whatever thing that you can just go store it uh, there's there's nothing on these ones in particular so I'm not feeling weird showing it off on camera but Again, wouldn't typically do that if there was words on Conceptually, there. Conceptually, though, yeah, no, that's that's really cool. I like that because I that was my first thought of, oh, I'd love to get a, a metal card of my seed phrase, but who who's gonna make it? Because I got to show it to somebody to get it made. And uh, old Kevin here's always got a DIY solution for me. I love it. Uncle Kevin coming in with the cheap options for yeah, saving it to steel. Um, and on that note Final, of the, uh, oops, sorry, go ahead. the safety deposit box, like make sure you don't have everything in one location. 
Um, that that's a really key single point of failure. Like freak accidents can happen, flooding, um, you know, tornadoes, natural disasters in general, fires. That's generally the the one that you're most scared of. But even flooding can be kind of scary if stuff gets washed away, right? And if you have one piece of paper with your phrase and one hardware wallet and one's in the basement and one's on the ground floor and uh, your whole house gets gutted, you have to evacuate immediately and you're not there to grab it. You're SOL. You're shit out of luck, man. So um, you don't want to make that a single point of failure. Again, it's like all of these feel like really rare one-offs. Like, yeah, but like, is my house really going to burn down? No, probably not. But it would really suck if your house burned down and you lost all your stuff and then you also lost all of your digital stuff too. Like, that's just a double down of losing all of your stuff. Um, it's worth it just to... I always think of the analogy, Kevin, of the like if you had a bowl of jelly beans and there were a hundred in there and one of them was so poisonous it would kill you and all the others were totally normal, would you eat one? No. I mean your chances are good no, that you're I didn't fine. Have to. But like <laughs> not if I didn't have to. Um but like do you have a gun to my head yeah. watching me eat these? If the, even if there's beans? a point yeah, one no, percent chance that you could lose all of your stuff, like why not just you know put in the the effort, spend the afternoon setting up the box or setting up the redundancy, yeah. however you feel comfortable. Um, don't think of it as just a series of one-offs. Think about the compounding risk of any one of these things can cripple you, and there's a whole list of things that are crippling. So yeah, it's, and it's also non-zero. Think of it from the think of it from the long-term perspective too. Even if you don't currently own enough crypto, like. What happens when the price of crypto does what it has been doing for 15 years, however long it's been around? Like, who Hello. knows? Like, you might one day wake up where you have an amount of crypto where you would be upset if you lost it. So uh, it's one of those things that put up the effort up front and you don't have to worry about it for, for the rest of, uh, of, of your time. Yeah. Uh, like one, one final one here. It's a bit more on the advanced end. Um, we were chatting a little bit about this before, uh, about this idea of maybe it's a good idea to um, split your seed phrase in half where you put like six words over here at your parents' house and six words over here. Um, the reason why that's not a good idea is that um, the if either of those individually gets lost or stolen, um, a hacker could brute force six words a lot easier. It's not a like, oh, now it's it's only going to take uh, half of the effort to brute force. No, it's like they can now brute force with those six words. And it is like orders of magnitude easier for them to guess what your yeah. your seed phrase is. It's like the, so, the, the amount of combinations yeah. is that factorial math. So 12 all, like times 11 times 10 times 9. It's way more than 2x, 6 times 5 times 4 times 3 all the way down. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of the general it's logic unintuitive there. math, but, but it, it adds up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, an alternative to splitting a seed phrase down the middle is setting up what's called a multi-sig wallet. Uh, there's Gnosis safe is the popular one, uh, that essentially you can think of it in, in a similar sense, but each of those pieces are stored, uh, on full length seed phrases. And then you can set up, you know, uh, maybe three of five, of these pieces will allow you to go do something or, you know, two of three, whatever you want, you can do that, set that up in Gnosis safe. Um, and then Argent wallet is another one. It's, um, it uses what they call guardians where you can have your phone and your email address is one guardian, but you can also add uh, seed phrase backed hardware wallets as these other 
pieces that you can use to to be able to like regain access. That's cool. So it's like yeah, a layered multi-access thing. Glad that somebody's been been working on that. Um, next yeah. up though, phishing scams. Uh, this is a big one, especially on the Axie Infinity side. Uh, there's certainly been reports of people getting compromised as we've seen this crazy growth now with a million active players. Uh, most of our data indicates that a lot of it, almost all of it comes from phishing scams. And these are uh, like fake malicious websites, uh, people pretending to be support or moderators on servers. Somebody submits a support ticket, an imposter comes in and then sends them to a fake website where they upload their seed phrase, then everything gets stolen. Um, you know, fake websites with typos. Um, you know, there's a lot of swap websites, you know, pancake swap uh, <laughs> ape swap, all these. Um, if you accidentally typo and do like ape swept, put an E instead of an A in there, that'll take you to a website that has a very similar skin. You think you're in the right place, but then when you go to connect your wallet, it's not the code that you think it is. And it just drains everything that, that, uh, you give it access to. So, um, there's a few more things on this list, but these kind of phishing scams, uh, it's just like 90s internet, fake websites, you know, the, these fake, you know, kind of bullshit malware. We've infected your computer, call right now or else. And it's like, it's not actually doing anything. It's just a, a visual pop-up to scare you, you know? Yeah. I, in the, um, so Ledger, the other hardware wallet company, they had their marketing database hacked. And so people's email addresses, uh, I think it was phone numbers, even addresses got leaked and not, not the private keys. So not anything relating to the device, like the device is still totally fine, but that was enough that people started getting emails and texts saying, your account has been compromised, like click this link to to stop your account from being drained in the next 24 hours. And it really preys on the this like this um, sense of fear and urgency that like, holy shit, I'm about to lose money. I got to do something now and I can't really think about it. Like I, I it, it drops the guard that you would normally have to like, you know, th this feels fishy. Like this is, you know, one character off from ape swap. Uh, it, you know, it, it, it's enough sometimes for people to kind of get scared and not think about this stuff. So you really got to be careful. I, I mean, even in the example that you gave about, uh, like a character being off, you can even, I, I've seen situations where, uh, the characters that have like the little squiggle or a little dot above or below it, mm -hmm. like that counts as a different character. And that is like even less of a differentiator, uh, right. where, you know, it reads entirely, except there's a little dot over the N. Yeah. Um, so you got to be extra careful. Yeah, that's where bookmarks come in handy because you know those, like once yeah. it's a, a good link, you know that it's there, but that's something to always be paranoid about. I almost got caught on one, um, not really that close, but like it, it passed my first gut check um, where it was a subdomain that was bought as a full domain. So like the real website mm. is market.whateverwebsite and they bought just market website all mashed together without the dot. And if you're not paying close attention, yeah. like you said, it's it's just one character off. It's just one dot that's missing. And when it, it looks exactly the same because they can just rip off all the assets, yeah, you you know, it gets suspicious once you click on something and it's like, wait, why is this site not working right? And you go, Oh, okay, yeah, I'm on the wrong one. But um not everybody has that same 
same sense of skepticism, I suppose. So you you have to be diligent. Um, yeah. There's there's just more and more, and they're getting more creative, right? All this stuff is like an information uh, arms race of being aware of the potential traps out there. So when you see them, you don't step in them. Um, and awareness is half the battle, right? And new traps are being created. So it's it's just a constant battle of um, trying to keep your your ear to the drum, right? Is that what they say? Is that the saying? Something like that. Yeah, I yeah, I agree with the sentiment. The uh, it's one of these things that like even in addition to this episode, it might be worth just looking into sort of best practices with things like mm -hmm. just, you know, keeping educated about uh, scams that are going on. Um, you know, uh, uh, like if you're um, interacting like scan, it's even uh, another one that we have here was like untrusted QR codes. Like mm -hmm. if you're going to scan a QR code, that'll take you to a website like be look at what website it's actually taking you to and and maybe like if you don't have to scan it like go type it in and go use your bookmark yeah so it's one of these things that like there, there's a million ways to die just you got to thread the needle and figure <laughs> out how to not die <laughs> thread the needle there anything you go. else here um yeah i, I guess the, the last one is that remember anybody who's legit is never going to ask you for your seed phrase or your recovery phrase so it's like that age old yeah. you always used to see valve employees always say valve employees will never ask for your password that's the first tell that you're not talking to a valve employee and it's a scammer they're asking for your pa I, if i worked at valve why would i ever need your password it's it's pretty similar in yeah. blockchain what like for Sky Mavis or Axie, if the person is pretending to be an employee and asking for your seed phrase, you know they are not a Sky Mavis employee or an Axie Infinity affiliate. We will never like a moderator will never ask for your seed phrase. That is the first tell. So, um, yeah, be aware of that as like just a really obvious red flag. I think that's maybe my last one. Alongside, um, don't dox yourself. This is something that I see people do sometimes, especially again in the Axie world. The scholars sometimes you'll see resumes where it's somebody's full information just thrown out on Twitter. It's like don't don't do that. Um, you know, you want to control that data. You want to give it to as few people as possible. Sometimes you have to to verify your existence, but you want to do that on like uh, you know a short list. You want to verify people. You want to vet. Uh, generally, you want to be careful about the info you throw out there, right? It's one thing to say, I have a bank account. It's another thing to say, I have a specific bank account at X bank um, in Y state or whatever. That gives potential attackers a way more focused list of like, well, let's start fishing his information. We know his email. We know his name. We know his bank. All right, that's three pretty good data points to get started. Now it's just a matter of brute force. Okay, what is he like? What are all of his ex-girlfriend's names? What are all of his parents' names? What's his birthday? The more data that they have, the easier it is to start piecing all this stuff together. So you just, in general, want to be somewhat cautious about revealing too much of your personal information just in mass. You know, you, Not to say you have to keep everything secret, but just think about it. Be thoughtful and don't just throw it all out there nonchalantly because you know the the scammers and the fishers that's the kind of shit they're looking for yeah totally i mean if for the same reason you shouldn't be using the same password on every other site yes it, it, think of the information <laughs> that you put out on the internet as this like big blob that you're slowly emitting over time and if someone really wants to put in the time and effort they can go scoop up little bits here little bits over there uh, yeah. and start to kind of map that together and and figure out you know what they need in order to um you know exploit you in one way or another and like uh, the, the the one that always goes back to is like if 
someone is going to try hard enough that there is a there's like at the end of the day the five dollar wrench problem where if you dox yourself and people know that you uh have a bunch of crypto and like they want to put in the effort like they can show up at your door with a five dollar wrench and ask you very politely to give up your crypto and you need to consider that like that's not going to happen just from making one like random little mistake here like that can mm-hmm. happen just by accidentally being less cautious over time so yeah uh, yeah, yeah it, it's tough out there. So, all right, uh, a couple of quick lightning round questions, and then I, I think we'll wrap this thing up here. Um, and you know, for some reason, there's a little bit of audio sync issue with you, Kevin. You sound great, you look great, mm. but when your lips move, it's like watching a kung fu movie. So, YouTube viewers, I don't know what's going on there. We're gonna blame Discord lag today. Wait. Sorry, Discord, you're getting thrown <laughs> under the bus. Um, but what do we got for lightning round today, buddy? Yeah, so we talked about a couple of different hardware wallets, but is there anything that you personally recommend? Yeah, the Trezor is um, Axie only. So I'm sure a lot of people that stumble on this video will be uh, you know, Axie adjacent, Axie inclined. Unfortunately, if you have like a, a ledger, it doesn't work with the Ronin sidechain. So um, if you're thinking about buying Axies to store on a hardware wallet, you, you definitely want to go with the Trezor. Um, within those models, I think the one with the screen is the way to go, the actual touchscreen. I think there are more simplistic models that are a little bit more kind of like a usb stick um they're okay but i I would go for the bigger memory the better model future proof yourself um i was not paid to say this i don't have a referral code for uh the trezor but it does does work well for my specific needs uh the ledger is fine for everything else uh again that the ronin sidechain is the only limitation i'm aware of Uh, their marketing database was hacked as you talked about but uh there's been no security breach in terms of the actual uh wallets themselves like the the hardware is considered i think just as safe as the trezor so both great options and similarly with ledger the the nano x is like their more expensive one mm-hmm. i got a nano s uh for free and it's their cheap one and uh it was like out of some blockchain conventions guy was just like that's the one go, with bud. that yeah it's like, basically a shit. little usb stick it's 60 bucks not a big fan of the ES. yeah and i think it only supports like two or three cryptos at a time which like for what it's worth now i really only interact with ethereum but I remember at the time when I was like first getting into crypto, I had to like delete one in order to like go put another one on it. And then I just got it was like because it was running out of memory. And it's like it's it a weird problem to have in, in like 2018 at the time. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, so I, I, I have but the, the Nano X is probably the, the way to go if you go for a ledger. Yeah. So how about software wallets? Uh, what, what's our number one recommendation on that side? Yeah, I mean, I think MetaMask, just because of the fact that it is, like, so ubiquitous, uh, I mean, in the same way that, like, Axie uh, supports Trezor only, like, uh, people have to like in the hardware wallet world like it's it's a little more fragmented it's a little more dicey uh in kind of the software wallet world like your shit has to work with metamask because literally everyone has metamask um so it's like you don't have to worry about those sorts of uh of like patchy um uh, like support but uh it does seem as though I, I i don't see as much uh differentiation within like that software wallet world i mean there's a bunch of other ones there's like i, I there's when a i was first getting into crypto, there's a I finance a one. ones yeah 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 like trust wallet there's a bunch of them and honestly there's there's like they're pretty much the same 
Um, the, the ones that really stick out for me are like Argent and um, uh, Dharma. Very different like type of setup. It's like this weird. It's yeah. It's its own interface to the to Ethereum, and so it's like there's some cool functionality there. But um, MetaMask and is is one supported thing by everything. I think that we actually had intended to mention when we were doing the little demonstration and didn't. You can have the best of both worlds. You can get the hardware wallet, and then you can yeah. connect it to MetaMask. So you use the yes. MetaMask front end that links to all these websites and all these different interfaces, but the address is the address that's on your hardware wallet, and you have to plug it in to you know send stuff through MetaMask. But um, you can have the illusion of using MetaMask, but still use the hardware wallet instead of using the MetaMask software wallet. What we set up was the software wallet version of MetaMask. But once you have it set up, you can just click import and do import from hardware wallet. And then you can basically sync your, your Trezor and your MetaMask together or your Ledger and your MetaMask together. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call out. Uh, now, what about computer recommendations? Is there anything I need to be thinking about when I'm when I'm using like my browser uh, just on a PC or a Mac? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Firefox, Chrome are my my go tos just from a, a browser perspective. I, I guess Brave is out there, and I guess most of these should probably uh, integrate with that as well. But newer software, um, there are still just a lot of malware scams out there. Um, you should definitely beware of like downloading software only from the official source. What some scammers will do is like if you're downloading Photoshop or something, they'll take the real software and then repackage it with a bunch of other bloatware. So the the Photoshop you're downloading does work. And when you're running it, you're like, great, I got Photoshop. This is awesome. It took my key and everything. Um, it came with a key logger that somebody else injected in there. And that's the whole thing. They want it to work so that you keep opening the software and the key logger keeps running, you know, that kind of stuff. So you, you want to be yeah. really careful about not downloading random files and just running executables on your computer. Um, that's a great way to get Trojans and just various other malware running in the background. Um, now that computing power isn't really an issue, it's less about your computer running slow and more about security. I still recommend Malwarebytes as like the go-to gold standard for um, free software to scan your computer. You know, there's a ton of the Nortons and the what's his name McAfee's out there. I don't malware bytes Rip. I think still has the yeah seriously the best um the best value offering. Uh, I guess in full disclosure they have sponsored my events before. I have worked with them. I'm not currently sponsored by them, but I really honestly believe in their product um and their the difference between their free version and their pro version isn't quality of the scanning, it's just real-time protection. So if you download the free version and just use it to scan your computer, it's like it's cutting edge, amazing software by a really good company that is like doing cutting edge cybersecurity stuff. So, um, shill over, but malware bites number one, buddy. Yeah. And like work <laughs> and shared computers, just avoid interacting with crypto from them. I think, uh, people yeah. don't often think about the fact if, if work has sent you a laptop to use, oh. they have, uh, you know, their, their own software running on there that, for whatever reason, whether it's malicious or not, it can record pretty much everything that you're doing. So just work under the assumption that like when you're on a computer that is owned by someone else, that you shouldn't be, you know, typing in seed phrases and things. Yeah. Because even if they aren't malicious, again, that ends up on a database somewhere. And if that database gets hacked, you're shit out of luck. That, what, so, the way you said that story yeah. reminded me of the first time I sold a, a mining hardware, like my first Litecoin miner. And the guy that bought it was really nice. But when he showed up, he like 
didn't have a way to give me the crypto, so he used my computer to log into his Binance. Oh. And like, Whoa. <laughs> obviously, like, I'm not going to scam him or there's no like honeypot there. But like, I remember just being like, here it is. Do you want to see that it works? He's like, yeah, sure. And then he's like, all right, how do I send you the crypto? I'm like, what do you mean, dude? <laughs> so that that's an example of like, don't yeah. do that. Don't just trust a stranger. Assume every computer has like some sort of um, surveillance software, be it for white hat or black hat, right? Whether it's somebody trying to scam you or just yeah. your work computer, it's the same software. Your work computer is just doing it for good because they want to kind of track your activity. Um, just be be wary of that. Don't trust other people's devices. Like when Vitalik talked about having to restore his uh, cold wallet to move some stuff around after the, the dog coin scandal, the first thing he said was, I went to Target and bought a fresh laptop. That's the first starting point because <laughs> you, you got to go just like default. Yeah. You know, you don't want any any funny business. You can't you can't risk it. You can't trust it. You can't trust a computer that's done stuff on the Internet already. Anyway, I digress. Yeah, I always I always go back to the Edward Snowden documentary where there's a scene where he's talking to the reporter he's under and the blanket. he's using his computer. <laughs> and he's under the blanket. Uh, and it's one of those things that like it's so funny to see it happen. Uh, but like. From where his, from his perspective, like he's one of these people that have to deal with different problems than I have to deal with, yeah. and like I get it, like any any possible like keystrokes that make different sounds that like or visually all seeing dated, all, a reflection off a window, like yeah, it's many. You got to think of these things as a surface area, and you got to really minimize that as much as possible. Yeah. Final question: um, If I lost my seed phrase, can anyone help me? No, not really. Uh, this one is uh, the the ultimate uh, catch to crypto, I guess. We've talked about it a lot before with uh, ultimate power and ultimate responsibility um, comes comes kind of a cost sometimes. So if you don't take these steps and you know you just click through and you don't read it and you know you you copy and paste that seed phrase into a document and that document gets lost and you're like, ah, it doesn't matter. I can just reset it like any other password. Uh, you're you're in for a serious wake up call. So once that thing's gone, it is gone. And if you have serious assets on there, they are just lost. And that's part of what makes the blockchain so great is there is no back door to retrieve that stuff. There's no oops button. There's no undo except for access to that seed phrase. So in many ways, that should make you feel safe at night because you know that, hey, I've got my stuff set up. I know it's in this box. I know there's a redundancy here. Great. I can sleep well. This is as secure as it gets. But if you don't take those steps and you have single points of failure, then um, yeah, you run that risk of just straight up losing it forever. And um, there's a lot of you know fake services out there that'll claim they can help you. And I'm sure those are just phishing scams even further to suck more money out of you. But um, anyone that's claiming that they can hack the blockchain and like restore your Bitcoins that somebody stole from you, they're probably just a scammer as well that are looking to get you again. And that's the, that's the sad reality, yeah. unfortunately. Yep. Well, on that awesome. happy note, Kevin, well, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's, like you said, it's it's one of those things that, like, it's a double-edged sword. But I, it's also, like, we're, these are early days. I think the user experience sucks right now. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty, pretty bad across the board. Um, yeah. But that doesn't mean that it's always going to be this way. I, I think... Um, uh, I think, you know, we we can add layers of like software that kind of oh, yeah. makes this, uh, you know, especially this concept of um, of like multi-sig wallets. We can make this experience <laughs> better. 
But that's a good one to to end it on. Yeah. Uh, Quick reminder, though, none of it's financial advice. I guess not much to be uh, misconstrued as financial advice in this one. But uh, stay safe out there, folks. This is all for educational purposes. Our goal is to help you learn about the blockchain world. We thought this one would be 30 minutes. Somehow it was 50 minutes. Kevin, it's a sign that we're on the right path. We're both great conversationalists. (laughs) It's amazing to be able to chat with you again, buddy. Looking forward to getting back to a more regular cadence. Shout out to all the listeners that have made it this far. We're toying with some ideas about doing some more um, you know, news and kind of topical stuff mixed in with these more educational episodes. And if you join the Zyori Discord, we do have a weekly crypto call. The night's been moving around. It was Sundays. We we're going to do Wednesdays. Apparently, everybody plays D&D on Wednesdays. But uh, the Discord's <laughs> the best way just to get in touch. And uh, if you have any questions, we've got a crypto channel, and we're happy to engage with you. So with that said... Hit us up on Twitter, too. Yeah. I'm getting a lot of tweets. Really appreciate it. Yeah, there it is. Everyone that's uh, watching the podcast. Much love to everybody out there, and we hope you stay safe. Mm